Just talk to me for a couple minutes and see. Just talk to you. Oh my god. I know. I don't. I don't know. There's a lot of mouth noises. Are you gonna um, produce it like NPR so that we can hear our tongues clicking? No. This is NPR. I know. This is already fantastic. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I, I'm so just getting said, used to hearing my own voice in these headphones. It's weird. I know. It is weird. Um, sometimes you're just doing one well. Just one? But you're, yeah, you can do just one. Okay. There you go. That's a little better. And here you are participating in my myth making. <sighs> Fuck. All right. Uh. <laughs> you can really hear all the noises. <laughs> it's really. <clears throat> It sounds so intense for us, but it's not going to record that way. I don't way. know. I clean it up. Okay. Yeah. Josh is in charge. He does a great it's, job. I mean, she has. I just take it and I fix the levels so most of the okay. What is <laughs> Thank you, my love. <laughs> what is he talking about? He fixes the levels. The what levels? Of the voice? Yeah. To take the mouth noises out? I'm not sure what he does in his secret room. Because, dude... It's like above my pay grade. That's why he helps me. I see. But it's computers. Okay. I'm familiar with computers. All right. I... Are you going to chew on those? I'm going to have them, yeah, as my thing. But um, just for the listener to know that um, Lambtown just put in a Zin. And uh, it's like a little pouch of nicotine. And I'm kind of fascinated because... I used to chew skull vanilla. Nice. Yes. I love me a skull. And I started dipping when I was in college. Oh, in college. And um, because I played rugby, and that was the thing to do. yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to be tough, and for a small time I played on a men's team, which was a terrible life choice. But I have always suffered from a certain kind of Napoleon complex where I believe that I am tough as fuck and bigger or as big as everyone else and that i can do whatever you don't look like a rugby player i it was i was terrible at it i i played the fly half which for people who don't know rugby is basically the quarterback so i would get hit but i also had a whole line of people in the scrum who were there to protect me okay so um basically i got the ball first the scrum half would get it out of the scrum and toss it to me and then i would try to get it down the line of people and then we would try to score and that's rugby okay and i mean there's a lot of beer drinking and shenanigans just the kind of exact things that you would think Uh but that was my first foray into nicotine and then at some point when i started bartending um i started to smoke just seemed like the thing to do when you were trying to take a break everyone else was doing it yeah, I feel that. I understand. So, mm-hmm. everyone, I'm here with Lambtown42. <laughs> mm. you, you can call me Josh. I can? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. that's great. I can call you Josh. If you want. I didn't know if you were out there with your name. Sort of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, mm. um, this is really, it feels auspicious and special to me because for, many, for a couple different reasons. 
One, this is the final podcast of my first podcast season, and I've really enjoyed this project. <laughs> you are bringing us home, my friend. Mm, shit. And you are here as a house guest of mine. Yes, in your lovely home. And we are wrapping up the first day where we have ever met in mm. real life. R.I.L., as the kids say. Serious business. And Josh and I were talking... Uh, on Instagram, like we do, mm. and you had mentioned that you would like to come and be on the podcast, and we had talked about you coming before, and I just said you should, and then the next minute you had booked a ticket, and I love that. <laughs> I really do. I like the follow-up, and yeah. you're, and I'm really glad you're here. I feel like we should just start with how you and I met. Okay. You want to lead? Oh, the, right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, that photographer, Dawn, mm-hmm. found my art on Instagram, and then I sent him some pieces, and then he was having a, this is at least what I think how we met. And you and I disagree on it, which yeah, is so funny, this but is also, what I think happened I'm terrible. Is, uh, he has that gallery, that small gallery, right? So I sent him some stuff for that, and then he was like, oh, I'm having this profile show. Why don't you and you do faces and stuff? Why don't you send me a portrait? So I sent him, I sent him a portrait right of Hedy Lamar, and then the style is like working stencils and it's very straight. I just realized we haven't been recording oh, on this fucking machine the whole time, dude. All that awesome content. I'm so fucked. Are we recording now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I realized that before we got farther in. <laughs> it's good, though. We can talk about rugby again. Okay. And you can mention that you chewed skull. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about how the smell of skull reminds me of farm girls. And I love it. Well, you know what's actually funny is so um, I wasn't recording on the box, but it was recording on here. And Josh will be able to fix it for me. Okay. So now we're okay. Okay. So do I keep telling the story? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm such an idiot. How we've gotten any one of these published is a literal miracle. I mean, you just keep pressing on. So I just pick up the story where we left off. So the profile um, show and you do faces and profiles. Yeah, it was like a portrait show. Mm -hmm. So it was all portraits and I work in stencils. And And for everyone in town, he's talking about Don Ross of Analog Gallery of the Mission. Yes, that's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, he loved my shit and was always like, oh, I love your stuff. He was super encouraging early on. Like, he found my work on Instagram early like, and really encouraged me to keep making stuff. And I kept sending him records. He's got a bunch of my records somewhere at his place. Anyways, so I sent him this art and it was in a halftone style. So it's like really straight lines. And then somehow he found out that I was in recovery and he was like, oh, I know this other person that works with straight lines and is in recovery. And then somehow that's how we started talking on Instagram. Or did you have a piece in that show too? I Um, went to go see your piece and I took a selfie and sent it to you. Okay. That much I remember, which is why I had thought, and I'm not... I love this because I had a different idea about how we met, but I also am really guilty of not like remembering things correctly. So in my mind, I thought you and I, I thought I already followed you from my super secret wheat based account. 
Do you remember talking to me when I was on a different account, not I, Lady t- Henzy? You told me about your street art account later. Oh, okay. Got it. All right, so then your story is correct. We're going to go with your story. You okay. are clearly someone who remembers things, I, I and I'm just a hapless fuck. Solid memory. I was, okay, uh, great. In the Jeopardy contestant pool for several years <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you were on Jeopardy. No, I wasn't on it. They didn't pick my number, but I qualified for the pool. Like you go, you take this test, you play fake Jeopardy games like in a hotel ballroom because it's 1994, 95, right? And then if they like your looks, they write your name on a, your information like on a three by five card and stick it in a shoebox and they're like, we'll call you. And they never called. Son of a bitch. Yeah. I love that though. That's such a... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, we go with your version of the tale. And I went to that show, and I took you a selfie, and I sent that to you. I remember that. Yeah, and and you wrote some stuff on Instagram about um, why you liked working with straight lines and stuff because mm-hmm. your hands were shaking or something from drinking or something like that. And I resonated with that, and I was like, oh, I like working with straight lines too because for similar reasons, I like things that were straight. Mm-hmm. Well, it just seems like a gift after I couldn't hold anything in my hand without the shakes or write my own name without the shakes or put on eye makeup, any of those old silly things. Mm. And now painting straight lines is like my ego trip. (laughs) Yeah, so that's how we met and we started talking. And uh, you were wheat pasting in Portland and I, you were you never paste up. You're doing street art. You're part of the street art scene. I don't paste up, but yes. Oh, why did I think you did? More of me making up shit. I love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You were out there putting up art during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yes. So did so we started talking pre-COVID. Maybe. I. It I, must have been it, because then I went to go see that show in real life, and that was definitely post-COVID because I moved into my art studio right over by Don and and Guy. Right as COVID was kind of like winding down a bit. I'm trying to remember the timeline. I think I met, uh, I'm, I made contact with Don before COVID. Yeah. And I, his show, when I had the piece there, must have been before yes. COVID. Because I remember talking to you during that time. Okay. And we were talking about, largely what I recall you and I talking about was how intense graffiti people can be and the kind of graffiti versus other street artists and that kind of beef that happens and Mm -hmm. how intense people can be with their aliases and like they're (laughs) being masked in public like they're celebrities all the time and we would do a decent bit of clowning and i do remember you telling me that it was really intense in portland too because like there was some areas where everyone would get up Mm -hmm. and it was like vying for space and it would often get a little bit like tetchy right yeah shit i have i mean i have a lot of opinions about it it's it's been interesting to me like i um only started like whatever i'm in my 50s i only started doing it like in 2019 so whatever i was 50 somewhere 49 or something so i have no like background i never knew any of the rules or anything and i just started doing it and people taught me some rules pretty quick like one of the first pieces i put up i put up over this writer in portland his name is malvo Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a big deal and uh it was it's like my second post on instagram and somebody immediately started messaging me Right, they were like, "Dude, you can't do that," and they were kind enough to teach me the rules. Nice. And um, 
So I follow them for writers. Like I follow what I understand to be the protocol involving graffiti, right? Like I make a distinction between people that write and street art, right? So I will go, and that's kind of how I got started. So I got started by, I was cleaning tags. There was a lot of tags in my neighborhood and they weren't very good and I was cleaning them. And then I thought to myself like, well, if I'm gonna be cleaning this, maybe I could just figure out a way to put something over them that's better. And I don't really draw or nothing, so I, but I do know a lot about computers. I know how to make machines do what I want them to do. So I figured out how to make a computer and a machine, like make me stencils and then put them up. And I forgot where I was going with that. Well, you were thinking about how you're going to put up something better than yes. the shitty tags. Right. So I started doing that instead of cleaning the graffiti. And I draw a distinction between writing and graffiti and street art. And so one of the things that I understand is that it's okay to go over people if you're doing something better. So like you can go over tags if you're putting a bigger piece up, right? And um, so I will go over tags occasionally, but I'm not going over anything else, mm-hmm. right? So little hand styles on something, I'm, I'm going to go over those, but I'm not messing with graffiti people and their spaces at all. Like somebody uh, went over a piece that I had under a bridge recently. Like, I'm not going to go back. Right. I'm going to leave it there. Right. I, I really don't want any trouble at all. I don't, I'm, I'm beef free. Congratulations. However, <laughs> I feel like um, people that paste up tend to take that stuff a little seriously. It's a poster. And so if you go, if like, and, and in Portland, especially, there's like three walls that are kind of free, right? And that people get up all the time on, but uh, they get mad if someone will put a post, put a paste up over their paste up. Right. And those people, there's a lot of beefs in Portland about it. And I try to, that's one reason I don't paste up is I don't want to participate with that. And I also think there's so many walls. There's so many places you could get up. I'm not sure why they keep focusing just on these three spots. They need the beef. Yeah. What what is life without the beef? I, I, I understand that there's a freedom involved where you can be like, I can just go here. I have my stuff. I can post up. Like I got, I got, I can spread my shit out all over the ground. I can get my moves together and paste up and nobody's going to bother me. Mm-hmm. The, you know, so I understand that freedom, right? Cause there's definitely buildings in Portland that people paste up on and like some watchmen will come out and give you a hard time. Right. Right. And I, I get that. But I also feel like there's plenty of spaces in Portland and there's no reason to, get mad plus it's a poster it's transitory just in general it, <laughs> you know rain is going to get at it and it rains a lot in oregon and so you know and the cops aren't going to bother you yeah honestly it's always civilians or like these watchman types that are going to give you a hard time oh have do you have a civilian interaction that you'd like to share with us do you have any that stand out to you so um they're the ones that make me the most nervous, mm-hmm. right? Because they are invested in something. They care too much. Uh, so a lot of times I work during the day. And during COVID, um, 
you know, Portland had, so I felt like uh, I was like uniquely positioned. So I had been making some stencils in like 2019 and stenciling on records and screwing those into telephone poles and doing that kind of stuff. And then I uh, got exposed to a new technique of making larger stencils that I could adapt to the computer and the machine stuff that I do. So I was able to produce much larger stencils with that. It's the, kind of the same method that Teacher One uses, you know, that guy? No. So it's, uh, do you want me to tell you what it is? Tell us. Okay. So you take like a, like a board, uh, you, take, you take a board, you, so you have your piece of paper and on your piece of paper is a print of the stencil mm -hmm. and it's not cut, right? So the negative space is black and you're fixing to cut out all the negative space, right? So you take that piece of paper, you flip it over, you spray the back of it with spray paint to like seal it, mm -hmm. right? Then you take like a big board and you, you use uh, like 3M77, mm -hmm. like the spray glue, mm -hmm. and you use that to adhere it to the board, mm -hmm. okay? And then you cut out all the negative space on the stencil. Mm -hmm. And then you take, like some people use um, window screen fabric. Mm -hmm. Other people, I use drywall mesh, right? Like the stuff that you use to repair drywall, you can buy it in big rolls at Home Depot. Yeah. And it's self-adhesive on one side and you stick that onto the piece of paper that you cut out mm -hmm. right and then you use uh elmer's glue to glue the mesh to the paper and this will make you a stencil where it's kind of like a screen where you don't have to worry about islands right there's no there's no bridges there's no islands there's no bridging is what I'm trying to say. What does bridging mean? So bridging, like if you think about a stencil letter, yes. like the letter O. Oh, like how it'll have the little thing, it, the little space in it yeah. that had to secure it to the top of the yeah, stencil. Yeah, like the letter O has the, yeah. the negative space and then mm -hmm. it has the solid circle in the middle mm -hmm. and you have to attach that to the outsides. Got right? it. That's an island and then it needs to be bridged. And with the drywall mesh or the, the screen, it holds all that stuff in place. So when you're designing your stencil, you don't have to worry about bridging. And, and you spray straight through that? Yeah. So it makes kind of a screen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then with the 77, once you adhere the screen to the paper, right, it's all adhered. It's holding everything together. 77 is really kind of temporary. And because you sprayed the back of the paper with spray paint, it's yeah. going to lift off. Uh -huh. And then there, there's your stencil. And I use that method, but I... That sounds like a bitch. It's, but I adapted it. So I get some shit from people in this particular community because I use a machine to cut my stencils, right? I use like a vinyl cutter. Yeah. So my stencils are made out of vinyl. And um, because I don't have to do all that whole, there's a whole thing, all that shit that I just described with the board and the spray paint and the paper, that's all to work with paper, mm -hmm. right? And so I avoid all of that and I cut my stencil on a big sheet of vinyl, mm -hmm. right? It's a sticker back and I peel it and weed it. And so, and then I just put the mesh onto that and I seal it. This is my moment of genius. Uh, I seal it. Real with, men yeah. of genius. Fuck yeah. Right? 
Yeah, this is this is how I was able when COVID. You're welcome, world, <laughs> dude. This is how when COVID came, and then uh, in Portland, right, we had all the protests, right, which we prefer to call the uprising. Got it. Um, it's more revolutionary that way. Okay, we call it the uprising there in Portland when the uprising started. What's more Portland than that? Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I was uniquely positioned to be like in a support role for that. Like I made a lot of art when the uprising started and I was making COVID related art before that. And uh, so I have the machine, it cuts the stencil, I flip it over and now I have like like sticker facing up and I put the mesh on there Mm -hmm. and I seal it with Mod Podge Mm -hmm. and I can make a stencil in an hour, right? And so, when all that stuff happened and all the George Floyd protests started, like within three days, like I had a big George Floyd stencil and I was stenciling it all over the city. Mm-hmm. And then I could go from, this is what I like about my method, is that I can go from like an idea to an actual art piece in like a day. Yeah. Out in the street. I can be like, oh, I have an idea. Boom. I'm doing it tomorrow. Right. And I don't have to spend hours. I mean, I, I respect people that cut stuff. And it's, you know, there's, there's a perception that the longer or the harder something is, the more value the art has. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and you, how do you, how do you feel about that? uh, I disagree with that. You know, stencil artists, I think generally are going to have some imposter syndrome in general. Mm -hmm. And I suffer from that. I will tell people like, I'm not a real artist. I didn't go to art school. I'm not a working artist. Um, I can't draw. First of all, my friend David told me that there's a name for that because I also didn't go to art school. And he says that we're called outsider artists. Mm, That's one of the hashtags I use now. Oh, great. You already know about it. Outsider art. He had to tell me about it. I I never know anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what happened, right? And so within, I, I was able to make a lot of stencils in 2020. And the lockdowns were magic for uh, just street art in general. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Portland locked down pretty hard, especially early. And the streets were empty. And people were just out at night doing whatever they wanted to for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there was like graffiti writers coming from out of state and out of town to get up all over the place. And it really just felt like something was happening, you know. And then the protests started. And it felt like even more, like something is happening, you know. And so that's what I did. I just went around the city in 2020 putting stencils all over the place. Did you start making political, politically minded art because of the temperature in which you were starting to create art? Or did you already go into it with a mind that you wanted to get your particular political message out? Um, I, you know, I didn't start making political art off the bat. Right. I just started making a lot of my early art is just me experimenting with the form and just trying to figure out like what works with what I'm doing and and adapting whatever. I mean, that's really what it is. Like my medium or my method is kind of constrained and it doesn't work with everything. And so I was just going through a period of time, just figuring out like what works with this, what images work the best. How can I make this art? Then I realized like people are watching it. People see it. Like I started picking up followers on Instagram. People started messaging me. And then I was like, shit, I have a platform. 
Like, what do I want to say? Mm-hmm. And I'm inherently talkative or what is the word? You know, I have opinions, right? <laughs> what is the word for that? <laughs> you know, I have opinions. And so, and, and I have a voice and I was like, I'm just going to say stuff, you know? And then, uh, and seeing how the forces of like the state rallied after when the protest started and all that stuff happened and the uprising took place and seeing how like the the cops and the government and business all united to to suppress it really finished like radicalizing me and so uh i did a lot of reading and i did a lot of stuff and i was like look i have a I have a platform and I can put stuff out in the world and people have to see it. And so what do I want to say? And so I just did it. And I also feel like street art is just by its nature. It's kind of political. Like you're putting stuff out in the world and you don't care if you have permission. Right. Which is an idea that I really, really like. I like it too. Yeah. I know. Giving that face. I don't know. You're looking right at me. It makes me anxious. I know. I'll look to the skull above your head. <sighs> it's okay. How did you, okay, so it's 2019 and okay. you're, I like how you're talking about how like an imposter syndrome with the stencils or whatever. I can't make stencils. I don't know how to make stencils. I don't know the first fucking thing. And I refuse to watch YouTube. So, um, these are all things. Um, in fact, so much so that I had to ask Nicole Hayden the other day how to like, give me a, like a little stencil tutorial. Cause I was thinking about doing something, but I don't know the first thing to do it. So I, I think that. It's nonsense to say because I, I, there's so many processes in art that artists who are well-known or whatever, they don't know how to do it. I mean, I just did silk screening with my friend Nico, and I had artists there who are great and wonderful, and they were all so excited to learn how silk screening works because they didn't know, and mm-hmm. it's so mysterious to us because we don't – it's just not a thing, you know? So all of that aside, like, why did you land on that? And, like, 2019, what happened? Like, you were just, like, one day you got an itch? Because you'd mostly – you often do faces. You often do a female face. Is that someone you know? Is that who is that? Um, those are two questions. I know. So I'm going to keep going. I okay. can still did keep I have going. An itch. Yeah. Did you have so <laughs> w- one thing that happened to me is I got sober in 2017, like for good, mm-hmm. and uh, I had so all the things that I used to do to spend my time uh, didn't appeal to me, or I couldn't do them. Right. I and. Uh, I found myself, man, you know, it's weird. Like when you get sober, uh, you like grow, I don't know. I don't want to be too fucking woo woo, but you kind of like grow into a different person. Be woo woo. This is the place for it. This is the secret (laughs) cocoon of woo woo. (laughs) You kind of do that. You kind of, it's not really like getting to know, it's not, it's not getting to know myself. It's, it's, it's more just like the, the person that I am comes out Mm -hmm. and so i had all this time like i stopped playing video games and i used to be like a huge gamer playing tons and tons of video games and uh that went away and so i just had all this time and um i just so that was the itch the itch was like i'm cleaning tags why don't i figure out a way to put something over them right and because i was sober like i actually did it I didn't just think right. about it or tell my friends like, oh. <laughs> you know, I remember, you know, like 
before before I stopped drinking, like I would tell my friends, like I'm gonna write a book, and I would like read about it, and I'd be like, oh, you just send abstracts to publishers and shit, and they give you a contract, and that's as far as it ever went. Like I never actually did anything. You wouldn't believe the world problems I solved when I was high. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you all about it, and you guys should be sorry that yeah. I didn't get around to it. And when you tell people things that you're going to do, you get that little dopamine hit from from it anyways, and sometimes your brain thinks you accomplished it anyhow, right? I mean, you 100%. Okay, good. 100%. You, you know, like the... This idea, like an outflate, like an, an outsized version of ourselves when we were using where we kind of like, I, or I'll just can just speak for myself. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I at once felt like I was a real shit person and had a lot of shame inwardly, but I also thought I was in some way very smart and better than other people. And so I was accomplished. And if I wanted to do that, I could do that. So mm-hmm. I talked about it as if it was almost already a thing. Yeah. And it wasn't. No, and then I never did it. I never did any of these things that... I talked about wanting to do, but then when I got sober, like I could do them. Like I just started doing stuff. And, and then, and what was the second part of the question? So itch. It was about the lady's face, but I want to have like, can I have one small insert in here? Which is like, I know, don't you get sassy with me. Do you ascribe to this like notion that we are the same age when we get sober as we started using Mm. so i i can see that with emotional development for sure yeah a lot of people are are stunted for sure and um so you do experience a lot of emotional growth i bring that up just because we didn't give ourselves a chance we didn't really give ourselves a chance to flesh out a lot of the fact finding stuff and self-finding stuff that other people get a chance to do Mm. when they're like um feeling feelings and going through changes and they and you know like we we cut ourselves we kind of stopped in time and stopped developing in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. so that's why i think it's fun to watch people when they get sober it's a a complete renaissance really it's just a radical change where you realize that you actually can be anything you want to be in to some extent and you find out that you're interested in things that you for me i used to scoff at I mean, I'm interested in, in like caring for my health and my body and I work mm-hmm. out now and I used to be like those fucking chuckleheads. Yeah. Look at that asshole running in the morning. Like why? I never <laughs> thought that I was like uh, creative, right. you know, and I was a confirmed misanthrope. Like I was just like, this is just part of Josh. He hates people and he doesn't like to be around people. And also, Josh is not going to help you if you call me up on the phone. Like, I'm the, <laughs> this you know happened many times. Like somebody would call me up and be like, "Dude, I got divorced," or "I'm leaving my wife," and I'm really upset. And I would be like, "Nah, all right. You know, I know who you. You, you shouldn't call me. Don't. I'm not the right guy to talk to. Right. right. And now people call me, and I'm able to show up for them in a different way. You know, and. So that's kind of what happened. Like I had all this time, I had a lot of energy and um, for, you know how your brain works, man. Sometimes you just, you're like casting around for stuff, you mm-hmm. know, trying different things and casting around for things and, and something just like clicks. And for me, it was figuring out, you know, how to make the computer and, and these machines and stuff do what I want them to do. And then the cool part about it for me was like, going out into the world and putting it into the world. And um, I had a lot of fear about that, right? And then 
I was watching this. I don't even remember the doc, name of the documentary, but some documentary about like graffiti guys and street art and shit in France. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys said that art is 80% action. And that jives with like the AA program being a program of action. And I was like, okay, if art is 80% action, like I could fucking, I could do that. Right. I could just take action and put my art in the world. And, um, I also didn't want to be one of those people with, okay, don't get me wrong, but you know, there's a lot of artists and they have a lot of art like in their garage. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then you go over to their house and they're like, Hey, come out to my garage and look at my fucking art. And you do that. Right. And that's the extent of it. And I didn't want to be one of those guys. Yeah. I didn't want to be one of those guys with just like a shitload of art, like in my garage. Mm-hmm. And so I just put my art out in the world. Most of it. This the makes va- me so majority. happy that you're coming to my house at a time where all my art is in galleries. Cause you know where it usually is. <laughs> is it <laughs> my, in your garage? No, it's on my walls. Yeah. Okay. Or I mean like half of it lives here. Yeah. And then it goes out and sometimes it gets sold and sometimes it makes its way back. And it's a weird feeling though, because I work, I work hard on them, mm-hmm. you know, and they take effort and time and money and uh, I still put them out. Like I had some pieces recently, they were part of a show. One of them sold. Woo. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fucking awesome when people buy your art and then you go see it in their house. Like blows my mind. I like, like that too. You're living with my shit. That's yeah. fucking it's a great honor is what it is yeah there's a lot of choice out there and so i had i I made three of these pieces one of them sold i had two left over and i just went and screwed them into a vacant building and that's a weird feeling to be like i could sell this for 600 or 800 Mm dollars and i'm screwing it into a building and it's going to ride there for a while and then somebody's going to come take it there's a street artist named gats i don't know if you follow him or not but he's great And oh, I don't know him in real life, but I'm a, big, I'm a fan. He's a famous person. Yeah. He's a famous person. Yes. And he recently did a project where he made ceramic pieces and installed them into a brick wall. And like, he was really clear on his Instagram, like, I've put these up here and they're not for you to steal. Like, please don't take them. You will break them. But if you want to, you can make a rubbing of them. Here's how you do that. Okay. And I thought that was a great idea, but I've, I know that people are assholes sometimes. I shouldn't. I know. <laughs> generally, I, I, generally, the world is it's selfish. Problematic. Can be selfish, yes. and only thinking of oneself sometimes. And mm-hmm. so they see that, and they might want that. And I like that he gave them an option, knowing the human nature. But also, you and I had spoken about this earlier at dinner tonight, which was just yes, you um, often have had people take you pictures of work they've taken off of things yeah. that they stole, and then showed you in their house. And I, yeah. do you think they don't understand? What do you think about that? Like, how? What do you think their mindset is? Because they're proud to show you. Well, they're kind of. They're not really stealing, right? Right. Because um, I put it out there, right, and I'm detached from it, right, and so it's in the world, and what happens to it happens to it. Uh, but they are taking it. Does something being outside make it yours? You mean theirs? theirs? You know what I'm saying? You, like, yeah, like it, how, it, it. It definitely makes it not mine anymore. You know. It, is that true? Yeah. Hmm. It belongs in the world, right? It's out in the world. And who? I don't know if that necessarily gives someone the right to come take it. Right. But people take it. They do. And they send me pictures. 
<laughs> they send me pictures of like my art hanging in their house. I and, think you should just start like being like, oh, what's your name? Yeah. And then you should send them a Venmo request. <laughs> yeah, I do that. Yeah, I've, I've done that. And I've also for a little bit, I think in 2021, I was going to like various art markets and shit like that and posting up and selling records. Like I had a little display and a little table next to the people selling candles and vagina mugs and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's Portland. You were so cattywampus because I, I said vagina earlier. <laughs> It's a callback. Love, it I, really is. I love a callback. <laughs> so, you, you know, so I'm doing that. And some, and was, my art sold, which was great. And people would ask me, like, dude, I see your stuff on Alberta all the time. Like, why would I buy art from you? I could just wait and go take it. Right. And my deal was like, you're supporting my street art practice. Like, if you want me to keep putting stuff up in the street, just buy this record for 50 bucks. Right. This is going to fund my my deal for a long time, you know. And that that works. I like it. Yeah. Let's look at my little list of questions that I wrote here. Okay. Well, let me answer that question about the faces first. Okay. I got, I got the answer in my head. We have returned from a short break in programming. Uh... <laughs> This is really fun. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we are going to return to, as you all know, I intend to get off track, and I like it that way. So I wanted to ask um, Josh about where he gets the imagery for his records, and okay. this is usually a woman's face. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, that that is true. I do a lot of Hedy Lamar. So uh, it's my opinion that most... That if you look at stencils and stencil artists, they do people a lot, mm-hmm. right? And it's because the face lends itself to stenciling. That's what I think. I think that most stencil artists, when they are are just gonna kind of get there, the same way I did, like fucking with the medium, figuring shit out, and realizing like faces work great. And if you look at a lot of stencils, it's a lot of faces, right? And I also recognize that my style of art is going to be classified as pop art, generally. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of Andy Warhol-ish, right? Sort of pop art. And uh, that was my thinking. Like, oh, Andy Warhol does all these faces, and he's like famous for like Jackie O and fucking Marilyn and shit. And then I was like, okay, well, who am I going to do? Like, what, what am I going to... What kind of face am I going to do? And uh, a lot of my images... Like, I don't give a shit about copyright. I really don't. And if so, if I get to the point where, like, copyright lawyers are, like, cease and desist and shit, I'm, I think that's a win for me. The uprising doesn't care about no. copyrights. No. No, I really don't give a shit about that. And so a lot of my images start uh, from Instagram. And um, Hedy Lamar like, popped up on my Instagram, and she's a beautiful person. And also... Uh, I didn't, like, I have a daughter, and I didn't want to just be like, this is just a pretty face, mm-hmm. right? And Hedy Lamar is not just, like, a pretty face at all. She has this whole story where, like, her journey as a person is really interesting. She escaped some sort of abusive marriage by, like, sewing jewels into her fucking dress and leaving Austria. She's a super baddie. Yeah, I know. And, her life story is yeah, really bonkers. And, and then invented... Uh, 
an algorithm that undergirds all the uh, spread spectrum radio frequency hopping stuff that we do with like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and she's a chronic shoplifter, which I find to be really cool. Oh, I love that. Because, you know, the uprising and a recluse, (laughs) right? She's a recluse and uh, would talk to people on the phone for hours, like in her old age, just like stealing from drugstores and is, you know, a recluse. And I just find all of that stuff kind of interesting and just not a pretty face right and i wanted to be able to like if my daughter asked me like why do you always do this one person like i want to have some good reasons besides she's conventionally attractive you know this is that's a great reason to do anything and um i stand by that by that and uh also apropos of almost nothing as i miss shoplifting so much (laughs) (laughs) I loved doing it, and do, do I don't you, do that shit in sobriety. There's like I just follow a set of rules that are, I feel like I'm in a contract. Yeah. My life got saved. I get a second round, okay. and that involves just being honest and not doing the same things I did before. So you don't shop into your bag at the Whole Foods? I do not, and I know a lot of people who do, and there's no aspersions on it. I'm jealous. Like I wish I could because I don't mm-hmm. want to support that, but I don't do that. No, I it's just one of those things. I just don't wouldn't – I would feel – bad about it it's yeah. amazing amazing how my conscience really comes back and it came back into play when i got sober I mean, like that's woo. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah you know it, uh portland has a big uh shoplifting culture there's a lot of people that are doing it for the revolution 100 i totally get you it know? yeah yeah and then if you see somebody shoplifting part of a, a, an no, everyday conversation no, i have with people is how they particularly it's their particular brand of scamming the scanner yeah on the self checkout, yeah, that's like a it's like a literal personal like flair thing that they just throw into combo. Yeah, and you know, honestly, man, the the system and corporations are actively trying to fuck us, and right. so you know, us doing a little bit of fuckery back at them is warranted. I can get down with that, but on a, personally, on a conceptual I can't. level, I it understand. Is, con- you, you get it. I do. It's just a fucking code. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I used to, I miss shoplifting makeup. I hate paying for it. It's very it's expensive, sli- and I love it. It's a slippery slope too. Yeah, it really you know, is. In recovery, right? you get it. You start doing your old behaviors. You know, like one of the things I watch out for is um, wearing the same clothes a couple days in a row. That's mm. a sign, like I need to tighten up. Yeah. Right, and so for other people, it is. It could be like shoplifting. You know, and there's always urges like we have a steady stream of bullshit in our heads all the time, and being alcoholics like being able to filter that out is the important thing you know my brain tells me to steal stuff all the time i don't do it anymore no it is a steady stream it's been such an interesting practice to try to i mean basically i'll never be perfect at this but like i practice like what i just call shuttling which would just be being able to go come back to reality when that need necessitates right Mm. because when we're in our head all the time i don't know if you're like me but i am i'm really good at hurting my own feelings Mm. um with the thoughts processes that i have like i'm often um thinking about things that already happening happened and like beating myself up for it or like wishing things were different um or i am totally freaking out about the future Mm. okay and for me, that gets my chemistry all riled. Yeah. Like, I'll give you a for instance. This is just how, like, this morning I woke up pretty early. The dogs woke me up. And so I got on Instagram and I was looking at tattoo artists that I want to get tattooed by. And my next tattoo project is going to be redoing my hip tattoos, which were 
done at a tattoo shop in Denver by some apprentice dude who didn't give a fuck. And I also wanted them henna colored because I didn't want my dad to know that they were real tattoos. So I was okay. going to tell him that they were henna. Mm. They're also tribal. Mm-hmm. I'm telling the uh, there's so much information nice. right now. I know so much secret information. Okay. So they are, um, they did not stay in. The ink did not stay in. So they're patchy. They're yeah. like really not, it's not cute at all. Okay. But I got these done when I was 18, 17 mm. or 18. And like, um, I had a much hardier constitution and also wanted to be a badass in the shop. You know, yeah. I was with a bunch of my dude friends and like they were getting big old tattoos and I had to be tough and, and I want to redo them. And there's a couple of things that have changed about how I get tattooed. Now, one, I don't have to have the biggest dick in the tattoo shop. I'm okay. I'm not okay. doing that. All right. And I also, I'm okay with being like that hurts. I'm in pain now. I can't sit for that long, which I never would have allowed myself to do before. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. Sometimes I can sit for four hours, and sometimes it does. My body's just not participating with the chemicals, so it's like, okay, I'm I'm done. But so all of this is just to say is that I like got myself like uncomfortable this morning, because in my mind I was already getting those hip tattoos. Mm. It's so funny. Like I can really be transported in my own brain, and I was Mm -hmm. like, bro, you don't even have a tattoo appointment. Like you need to like come back to what's actually happening. I understand that. You do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. just so much of my time can be wasted in my thoughts, yeah. and I hate that shit. I want to. I'd prefer to be here. Yeah, I. I, <laughs> I have a lot of trauma in my history, right? And I have a lot of trauma responses like that, mm-hmm. where um, I'm in. I'm back there, and you, you have said something that triggers that. I, f- I don't really like that word, but. There's no, re- I can't you find know, another way to put it. happen at work, yeah. right? I would be in a meeting at work in a big meeting and people would be, uh, con- there'd be conflict and I would have that kind of response. And in my mind, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reliving my trauma and acting and nobody understands why I'm so fucking weird right now. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands why I care. Nobody understands why my face is flushing. They're like, well, Josh really cares about this backup and recovery issue so much you know <laughs> and you're like eight years old and, and, something yeah, that happened and, and, and this like... would ha- that that happened to me before i got sober all the time mm. and it doesn't really happen as much and when it does i'm able to work my way through it and it doesn't come so much anymore clear, i still struggle it. with one of my responses which is that when voices get raised um I tend to like black out. Mm. So what means is I'm still there and functioning, but like later upon review, I cannot remember what was said. Can't recall. And it's really, it sucks because that's dictated a lot of my life. I don't remember a lot, so much of it. And still, even to this day, I'm like really trying to sit there and be like every, like self soothe and be in the conversation, but still I I can't, like I can't control it. I understand that. Yeah. You know, it's fun being a person. It really is. Just out it? in the world fucking doing We're shit. Full like, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you drop such like a tasty morsel about your youth and I cannot I'm really excited to hear about it. So okay. like you grew up in California. Yes. And you grew up um oh my gosh, I can't even know. what's the name of the town again? Dixon. Dixon. Ooh. And you were in the four H club. I was in four H. We have a little rhyme where I'm from, and it goes, chewing tobacco, chewing tobacco, chewing tobacco, spit. If you're not from Dixon, you ain't shit. Oh, my God. It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Ding, dang, do. Yeah. <laughs> Were you born with a chew in your mouth? You know, that's what I say. Like, I have 
Like, chew reminds me of girls. <laughs> of girls? <laughs> yeah. When I smell tobacco, right? Because you, when you're growing up, you get crushes, yeah. right? And all, a lot of the girls that I was hanging out with were farm girls, and they dipped. And it just, it just gets me going a little bit. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How many brothers and sisters did you have, if any? Uh, I have, I'm the oldest of five. Wow. Yeah, I have um, two to, I better get it right. I got two brothers and two sisters. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't even a hard division. No, it's not. It's pretty even. <laughs> yeah. We're getting... Yeah. Both of us are tired. At people, it is 9 p.m. Mm. And we don't party like this no more. But no. we're partying like this now. Yeah. No, yeah. I have, I have four siblings. So I'm the oldest. My youngest uh, sibling is 12 or 13 years younger than me. I'm the oldest as well. Okay. Let's go older child. What's that? I said, let's go. Yeah. Oldest child. Do you find that it like as uh, responsible an adult? Yes. Yeah. Perfectionism. Uh, A little bit. I mean, I I try to be kind to myself in in that regard. Like I'm not um, afraid to take risks, but it it takes some work. You know, a lot of perfectionists are like, I don't want to do it because it's not going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. But I'm not generally like that. Um, But. I'm more of the responsible, carry all the burdens kind of oldest child. Yes. Shield others from harm. Mm. Try to protect people's feelings. Yeah, try I know, to be I the... know how to feed people. I know how to fix everything. Mm-hmm. I know how to do all that. Change diapers. You know, I know how to take care of people. I don't know how much you want to talk about your home life because you and I didn't really vet this before. Normally, okay. I email people and they tell me what they do and do not want to talk about. And you and I are just... Well, I told you one thing that I wanted to talk about, but really other than that, we did, I'm, yeah. I'm good. Well, family life is... Uh, do you have a family disease? Did you grow up with alcoholism or did you not know that that was part of like your um, hereditary gifts? Uh, we can also talk about 4-H. We're going to talk about 4-H <laughs> okay. too. But, you know, um, my... Um, no, there's not a lot of there, what 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 I have in my family is like functional alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I have that, like my grandfather um, drank a lot of beer, like all the time. Just like we would be driving around in his pickup, like going for, like he's a rancher, like a sheep rancher and shit, and mm-hmm. had various plots. And we'd be driving around going doing our rounds, and he would have like a twelve pack on the floor. And just like drinking the beers and pitching them in the back at at the course of the day. And you would ask him like, hey, how much beer do you drink every day? And he's like, however much is in the fridge. And so that's the kind of person, right? And um, I have a a grandmother that, you know, she she had some depression. And she was definitely one of those like vodka under the sink people, Mm -hmm. right? And that's just kind of their era a little bit. But I don't have any like glaring nobody's uh alcoholism around me right my my here's my childhood story you ready yeah okay so before i was 10 my life was okay i have some pretty decent memories of of being a kid and just like being kid stuff and then uh, my parents got divorced in january 1980 that kind of messed me up but what messed me up the most was my dad died in a car accident in August. And then my mom married my soccer coach in January. So mm-hmm. January 1980, they get divorced. They split up. August 1980, my dad dies. January 1981, I think. My mom marries my soccer coach. That was fucking weird. 
he um, <clears throat> was not a good person and whatever. I have compassion for him. He's, you know, the program we're supposed to forgive people. He's one of the people that he's the one person I haven't really forgiven because I don't think that he did the best he could. But I have compassion for him because I know he had a rough childhood and then he was in the Vietnam War and that messes people up. But um, <clears throat> like he beat me a lot. And so that's when I talk about my trauma responses and my maladaptive behaviors, they're all related to avoiding that. Right. And, uh, you know, had a drinking problem. He did. Yeah. Right. And uh, like a weed problem, like smoking weed all the time and drinking constantly. And, I, you know, if you couple that with like my dad dying when I'm 10, like I was an angry fucking fucked up little boy totally and i did not need like some dude beating on me yeah right and that just made it worse and so that's my family life but i had these really great grandparents that um did all they could to keep me alive and they're the reason that i'm okay yeah yep and so i have a lot of Oh, I'm not supposed to burp. I think I may have burped. Um, <gasps> yeah. The cardinal See, sin. See, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little anxious talking about my childhood. But, I understand, and we don't have to keep on fine. it for a you while. You know, I, have, I had uh, really great grandparents, and they, they uh, saved my life. And so uh, I'm grateful for that, you know? And, I mean, that's, that's my story. For in a nutshell, did you piece out the second you had a chance? Oh well, because my dad died, right? I got like 150 grand of life insurance when I turned 18, and I was, I'm that I left, I was out, and yep. I squared off against my stepdad when I was 17. So that's when he stopped. Is we had this big moment in the fucking driveway, you know? And I'm like, nah, you know, I'm squaring off against him. I'm like, you're not gonna do this no more. And my mom is yelling, "This is a big thing." And uh, ran away from home for a long time and lived in a trailer in Jennifer Gibson's backyard. <laughs> you might want to beep her name out. Shout out Jennifer Gibson. No, <laughs> yeah. we're going to pump that up. <laughs> but I lived in a trailer. <laughs> Me and Dommy, you know, <laughs> lived in a trailer in her backyard for a while. And then... Um, Post high school or pre-high school? Oh, I'm in high school. You're in high school. Yeah, I made it through when high you school. Got it. You know, by the skin of my teeth. I also feel like they just graduated me, you yeah. know, just just to do that, just to get me out of school. You acting up in there? Yeah, I was not a good student. Yeah. I was trouble yeah. in high school. I mean, dude, you know, you consider the things they told you, and of course I'm acting out. Like, I'm a mess. I'm just out in the world, just like a ball of nerves causing trouble, just, just angry, so mad. And so... I had two teachers That's, who intervened on my, like, they really helped me get through high school because yeah. I was like, my parents were getting divorced and I was getting in trouble and I was, I was a good student, but I was also like being such a bitch in class and just being terrible, just yeah. being so, yeah. And if, you know, if none of those things had happened to me, I probably would still be alcoholic. I don't really know. Nobody fucking knows, right? Like there's a vein of thought. If none of those things happen yeah, to you, right, that a, you wouldn't be one? Yeah, there's a vein or no, I, I, I may still be one. Like I have no way of knowing, right? There's a, there's a school of thought. Like when you come to meetings and people share and they're like, they really don't want to hear your reasons so much all the time. You know, like I, I have a sponsor and I picked him because he doesn't have any kind of history of trauma. He just liked to drink. That dude just liked the effect of alcohol. 
you know, and I was like, well, if AA can work for this guy, then certainly it could work for me because I got good reasons, you know. So I, I don't really know, right? But I do know, like, <clears throat> a lot of my adult life has just been working through that stuff, figuring yeah. out how I'm going to cope in the world, being a nutball. <sighs> We're finding out so many things in this day and age. I mean, I'm like, I'm genuinely grateful, though, that we're living in a time where it's completely acceptable to talk about having a therapist and talking about your trauma and mm-hmm. talking about these things. I mean, maybe it's a little ad nauseum at this juncture sometimes, but, like, I'm really grateful about it because, like, in truth, I mean, I don't, I'm breaking generational trauma in my family as the very first person to get sober. Yeah. So that's cool. And I didn't know alcoholism around in my family. Okay. I found all, all that stuff at a late date. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to tell too much of my parents' story. My mom was on the podcast, but, like, both my parents' parents did that shit, and they did mm-hmm. it all the way to the ground, and it was intense. And um, it just is a – I mean, I feel like I was always this way. I just trace it back to how I was as a kid. And even with my relationship with sugar and um, lying and mm. – um, feeling not great in my own body, like always kind of feeling like so everyone got the rules to life and I had somehow missed out on okay. the rules yeah. and I was really scrabbling and I just felt like a day late dollar short every fucking minute. Right. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's my idea that I was born this way. I feel like there's proof in both ways. I feel like there's proof that it's both hereditary and that an alcoholic can be made. Yeah. They did that study with rats, and I can never, because I have a bad brain, I can't ever remember the facts, how that happened. Do you remember the Harvard study with rats? Do you know what I'm talking about, about training them with vodka and water and then what happened to them? No. Everyone, if I do if I do a post-op on this one, which I might because it's my last episode, I'll try to go and look that up for a second, if anyone cares besides me. Well, there's the a thing with the rats and the cocaine, and a lot of that stuff got debunked because the rats' environment lacked any form of enrichment mm. so it's right? like obviously you're going to be addicted to any other new thing mm. that comes in yeah and then they discovered like if they give the rats an enriching you know rat paradise <laughs> that they don't become junkies so everyone much. knows that cocaine isn't addictive right <laughs> right right but who knows that I you mean, just like the smell of it you don't really like not, anything not else everybody about it. who experiences the trauma that i experienced becomes an alcoholic you know That's but true. it did make it easier for me that's what i think I agree with you. I really like to tell my stories about things that helped me justify the way that I was behaving or mm-hmm. medicating. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. We're all just doing our best. Are we, though? No, your stepdad no. wasn't, though. That That's bastard. the one person that could have stopped. I can think of some other people that aren't doing their best, but I won't name names right now. <laughs> it's also very... You haven't listened to all my podcasts, so you don't okay. know that I like right. really heartily believe. I'm not calling you. Can, don't listen <laughs> anymore. Okay. All right. Um... Yeah, actively, I'm forbidding you from listening from okay. any other podcasts. All right. I believe strongly in having a nemesis or two. I, I always have a person that I'm beefing with at work. And they, do they know? Sometimes. No, oh, I feel like the point of the nemesis is that do you not know you're, oh. you're, they're your nemesis. Okay. But you and I both talked today about how we don't control our face great. So maybe some people do know that they're my nemesis. And I think I'm the one being sneaky, but mm. I'm fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plot twist. Yeah. Okay, tell me about 4-H, though, because I want to know about it. Um, okay, so my street art name is Lambtown42. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, so 
First of all, the number 42, we'll just start with that. We'll get to 4-H in a second. Okay. okay? Uh, <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. My original name was Lambtown88, okay, because I graduated from high school in 1988, and I made this Instagram account before I became a street artist, and so that's just what I chose. And the reason I chose Lambtown is because uh, I'm from Dixon, California, which uh, for a very long time processed the most lamb out of any town uh, west of the Mississippi, right? So it's full of sheep ranches. There's two big slaughterhouses. Like sheep are a big deal in Dixon. And uh, they went through this branding exercise in the 80s where they called them the, the town fathers decided like we're lamb town and they had the lamb town USA festival and stuff. So when I picked my Instagram name, I was like, oh, I'm from Dixon. I graduated in 1988. I'm, I'm going to make my Instagram name, my handle lamb town 88. Right. Then when I started doing street art, people started messaging me and they're like, uh, do you know that 88 is a, uh, a neo-Nazi dog whistle? And I was like, no, no, I don't. Of fucking course, fucking Portland. Right. This, <laughs> I'm rolling my I'm eyes telling, from here to we have come. Come on. I, my eyes don't. have rolled around this house. You're treading dangerous waters now. I know. We take well, fascism I, no, very you seriously and I in Portland. not to do this. <laughs> we had an implicit and unspoken process to not <laughs> promise to not talk about politics on this so, podcast. Okay, so this is the only time. I'm going to bring that up. So I okay. had to change my name. Got it. From 88, and then I chose 42 because obviously it's uh, obviously. the answer. You don't know. It's the answer, man. I don't get it. It's from it's from uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They um. build a big computer, and the computer spits out an answer. And the answer is 42, but nobody knows the fucking question. Got it. So I chose 42. And um, I was in 4-H because I grew up in Dixon where sheep are a big deal. And um, my grandfather was like this big rancher and had a lot of sheep. And so I, it was a formative part of growing up, being in 4-H. Uh, Dixon uh, hosts the like oldest running agricultural fair in the country or something. It's called the Dixon Mayfair, and uh, it's been running for a very, very long time. So there's like a long history of fairs, fair in Dixon. So is everyone in 4-H, basically? All the kids? It's a small ag town, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, a lot of people are in 4-H. And uh, so I raised sheep, and in addition to Hedy Lamar, like I do a lot of art of sheep. I feel that they are kind of a, they're an interesting subject because people tend to think poorly of them, right? It's kind of an insult. Like if I say, oh, Brett, you're a sheep, yeah. you're just a sheeple. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not it's not good, right? You know, it means you're just a follower. You're just a dumb sheep, you know? But um, I like sheep. They display a lot of the qualities that people want, like fatherhood and motherhood and taking care of their babies. And like, also I, I really like how sheep will, um, they'll like jump over an electric fence and they'll take the charge because they want to get out. They'll like, and then they'll just be on the other side, like eating the same ass grass that's on the other side of the fence. And to me, that is speaking to, you know, just like wanting to be free a little bit, you know? And um, I also just like the, the process of raising animals, you know, and these were market animals, right? So they're going to slaughter. Yeah. And it helps you just like, it helped me like come to grips with the world and how things are in the world. And, um, you know, you have to take care of something like my, like I rode my bike every day to the barn 
several miles uh, through the country, through town, and then out into the country where the barn was. And uh, I was the only one. Like if I, my grandfather would tell me, like, if you don't come take care of the sheep, dude, I'm not feeding them. Like nobody's coming today. So I would do that. And that oldest oldest child, Mm -hmm. I'm fucking responsible. So I would do that. And, um, what age are you? Put, put my little Walkman on. Yes. Ride my little bike. I mean, it was what just was like the Stranger Things. the Walkman? It was um, the Minute Work album. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, I forget what it was called, yes. but it was definitely Yeah, I know Minute Stranger Work. Things. God, yeah. that shit really it, hits. I was on my little BMX bike. I mean, legit, right? <laughs> Listening to Minute Work or 38 Special, riding my bike out to the barn and taking care of the sheep. And you spend a lot of time with people out there taking care of the sheep because they're 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 for show so you have to run them like to make their muscles big and good and so we would we would run the sheep around this track and make them jump and you had to learn all kinds of math to make sure that the the food was right (laughs) you had to make sure that you had the right ratios of protein in there with how many sheep not all the sheep just the market just the sheep were raising for the fair Got, Got it. Man. How many was was that? Well, it was me and my cousins and my aunt. Like, my aunt's kind of close in age to me. Yeah. Right? And so, I don't know. We're having like 10 sheep out there in the barn that are being raised for the fair. Do you pick them from birth? Did you pick them, do you pick them randomly? Or like, do you uh, wait till they're like a little bit bigger and you're like, this is a nice looking... My grandfather picked them. Oh. Like, sometimes we would drive, we would get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and like drive to Bakersfield. To, to buy like one? the real special lamb. Oh my god! Yeah. And what was the specialness about it? I love this. Like, do you do know my term of endearment for everyone is lamb chop? Yeah. This is so, so. This is why this is all meant to be. Well, they it it would be you know for the qualities that they're going to get judged on, right? So uh, tall, like like so they're meat animals, right? So they got to have they got to be muscly. They got to have like a long loin. You know when you eat those little lamb chops, yeah. right? The and they call them lollipops and stuff. <laughs> Right? You yes. eat this, the very nice little special lamb chops that they I actually sell. don't eat lamb, which is funny, but oh, it's delicious. I, I know everyone says so, it's but so good. Um, you think I would eat my namesake, mm-hmm. my great Yeah. I know. Lamb chops are delicious. <laughs> I believe but it. uh so you would you would raise them for that, right? And and they gotta be of a certain like like we would raise like uh Suffolk Hampshire crosses because they uh grow really fast. So they get they get ready to market size very quickly, and so those are the qualities. And then you like have a straight back, and I also take a lot of pride in doing all the weird. It's not quite weird, but like all the medical shit that you do to sheep to take care of them, like you castrate them, you have to dock their tails. It's fucking weird. Yeah, right. It's weird that um, after all these years, like the sheep have been domesticated for like thousands of years, right, and they can't breed the tail out. Hmm. Right, and that's why they have you have to dock the tail mm-hmm. because if you don't, they get fly strike. Right, which do you want to know what this is? Yeah. So fly strike is when flies lay their eggs like a, a sheep with its tail on it. Yeah, it's gonna get shit all over it. Yeah, and flies will lay their eggs in there, and the magus will eat the sheep. Yeah, I thought it had something to do with the shit, but I did yeah. not know it was that far. Yeah, that's, that's sad and yeah. terrible. So that's why we have to dock the tails. Yeah, and and I always thought to myself like, why don't we just like we're obviously breeding the, like they're domesticated right. they can't, can't live just... in the wild so why can't we just breed these tails out and the reason why is because it's about the um 
juvenile characteristics that are required to have a domesticated animal, like docility, uh, pliability, they go where you tell them to go, like those qualities. When you start trying to breed the tail out, they it goes away. Nice. Yeah. So you can have a feral, tailless. Right. So they start getting shape. mean. Fuck yes, I love yeah. this. Right. <laughs> well, that pleases me so mm-hmm. much. Thank you for yeah. those facts. Yeah. So I like that. <laughs> I, love, I love that. And um, so I, I take you know, and it exposes you to things like when I had kids, like I wasn't afraid of shit and piss and vomit and blood and none of that stuff and i was like i'm good i grew up on you know i spent time at the barn that's great nothing to me that's a plus right so set the scene for us though because i want to know about like the big fair days i actually grew up in the midwest Mm. and i remember going to fairs and stuff like that and those those were cool yeah and so you're like when you're like a young teenager and stuff like that and you're starting to be interested in girls, is this like the air is this like Dude, where we're like getting the cachet? It's the best. Right? Yeah. These okay. are the, <laughs> This is how I <laughs> These are my you. fond I'm memories because this. you would go okay, so it's a small town, right? And my town was like five thousand people and all the girls decided who was cool in like second grade. So by yes. the time you're in high school, you, you nobody's having nothing to do with me because I did not get cool in second grade. Right. Plus, I was all fucked up and yeah. it got even worse for me. I was way less cool than I was in second grade by the time I got to high school uh-huh. in Dixon anyways. Right. So you would go to the fair and you would show up like on a Monday and they would have all these trailers in the back behind the barn and you would get a little pin. Right. You do your way in, you get a little pen, you put your sheep in a pen and everybody stays there. Right. And it's a regional fair. So people bring their trailer from all the other towns like the hinterlands, mm-hmm. not really the hinterlands, but like yeah, they come from like Rio it. Vista, like Fairfield, Vallejo, Susun, Woodland. The hinterlands. Right? Knights Landing. You I know. don't know where any of these places Yeah, are. well, if you're from Northern California, I just rattled them off. Thank you. Yeah. Modesto, right? Lodi. I know where Modesto yeah, is. Yeah, they okay. come from all of those places, right? They bring their sheep in from all those places and they stay in the back. So there's like, and then... The fair will, like, you stay overnight at the fairgrounds. In a tent or in your truck? In a trailer. In a trailer. Like in a travel trailer. Yeah. You stay overnight at the fairgrounds, right? And so, yes, you 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 uh, you get your riz with the girls, you know, as the kids say. They do. I probably didn't use that right. My son's always giving me a hard time. I'm like, hey, this food's bussing, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm just messing with them. But, you know, well, you would the do that. Be like getting when, you I, the girls. when I was a when I was a teenager, I believe we called it macking. Yeah. You would mac on a girl. Totally. Right. And um, so I loved fairs. And Dixon was one of the unique locations uh, because the Dixon Mayfair, most counties only have one fair. They have their county fair. Like they have a Solano County Fair in Vallejo. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so you would get one fair a year and then you would have to travel. Right. But Dixon had the Dixon Mayfair and the Vallejo County Fair, the Solano County Fair. So I got two fair experiences. And when you went to Vallejo, it was even like more people. It was a bigger fair and more people from out of town. You meet a lot of girls. Like I crushed on girls all the time from Rio Vista. When is your first kiss? You know, my... Yeah, I'm just asking all these oh, questions. Shit. I know, I'm really... My uh... first kiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, well, that was that girl was from Dixon. But she's older than me. So she 
also moved from out of town. So she didn't know about that you weren't cool? That I wasn't cool in second Perfect. grade. Perfect. Yeah, she moved from out of town. Nice. Yeah. Her and you got in there quick. No, she was the aggressor. Oh, nice. I was a shy little scared boy. <laughs> I was so timid. And I was wearing my dorky jeans and my JCPenney shirt. And she was like a junior. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And she had a car. Yeah. And she just started like making moves on me and then cleaned me up and taught me how to dress and told me about cool music and changed my whole thing. And I remember coming back to school my sophomore year and I was like, you were ready. Yeah. I was like, I got all my cool clothes and I listen to dead Kennedys now and you guys don't know shit. Yes. (laughs) I knew that there was going to be a plot twist somewhere in that high school time. The bad boys never stay down. No, they do not. Who do we have to thank for this revolution? Uh, Her name's Kim. Thank you, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My first kiss was building houses in Kentucky on a church trip. Oh, nice. I know. For church. Yeah, I had a lot of... I was in church, too. Yeah. I love church camp. Yep. Also, just... You know, man, you put... People have hormones. It's wild. I don't know what they're thinking. They they put all these, like... Oh, these, like, lock-ins t- we used t- to do? Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, like teenagers at, together. Making out all over the place. And then be like, don't touch each other. Yeah. And you're like... God's Whoa. watching. We're like... Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm 15. I, I have no control over what's happening you know, here. Right. Yeah. My body is literally on fire. Yes. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right? Like, my... I, I mean, I have perspective now. My son my son is 18, okay? So I just ri- witnessed a person go through puberty, right? Yeah. And there's a, like, you see middle, middle school boys waiting for school bus or whatever, and it's the middle of wintertime, they have shorts on all the time, right? You just do. Yeah. You'll see them. Now I do, that I but I just thought they were idiots. No, they're not cold oh. because testosterone is a hell of a drug. Their bodies are just cooking, that's damn. That's my experience, and and now when I look back at my behavior, a hell of a it trick. is man. It really just yeah. gets to you. That's why those boys don't wear pants. God, <laughs> for multitudes of reasons. Yeah, easy access and the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, we know about it. Ugh, Sorry, I made you cringe it's again. Rough. I know. I'm so bad. It's really rough. We feel for them. Yeah. Here's a moment of silence for all the teenage boys in America. <laughs> You'll get through it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, man. Church church was like a, that. I learned a lot of things doing that at that age. And nice. yeah, yeah. That's just how it goes. Yeah. I think I kissed her neck for a while first before I got to her lips, too. My first kiss. That seems safe. Now that I'm thinking about it. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. No. You really don't. Not when I I grew up in a You're way that terrified. was like I was not getting an education on that. It, mm-hmm. the, it was like the this is a hard no, mm-hmm. so I didn't get to learn very much. Okay, but I did. Yeah, I mean we Eventually, all learn. We all learn. We all sort it out. It's a biological imperative. Can't help it. What else do I have on this list? I feel like we're closing in here, my friend. Okay. Top three shows you've ever seen. Okay. Top three shows. Yeah. Oh, I was... So I've been thinking about this question. Since today. Since today. Boop. And um, it's a good one. I, I feel, um, you know, I'm 53, right? So I grew up 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a teenager in the eighties and I feel really grateful for that. Like I saw a lot of good shows. So my top three uh, shows, like the f- easy answer, the number one show is the first Lollapalooza. I saw it at Shoreline and I went both days and like, I have a, I have a Jane's Addiction uh, lyric on my arm right there, right? I'm super, this one right, you know, it says as the This ocean. is the first time I'm seeing that he has tattoos at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, Just so you know, mm-hmm. Lambtown is a secret entity on the internet. So I have never, <laughs> literally, never seen him before in my life before today. Yeah, and up. also, I just invited him to come stay at my house because we like to live on the lit- edge like that. You never know. I know. I'm, I'm a good guy though. But um, <laughs> that's what they all say. <laughs> that's exactly what someone would say who's not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you could trust me. I'm safe. Yeah, you're so going with it. I'm making space for you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So yeah, the first Lollapalooza was awesome. Like uh, Jane's Addiction is that band for me, where like you feel like you're way. And, and there was two bands like that. Uh, Guns N' Roses was the other one. But when you finally hear it, you're like, holy shit! This is the music that I've been waiting for, mm-hmm. right? And this is exactly what I I need like right now. And Jane's was that band for me. And Lollapalooza was awesome, right? Like, I saw Susie and the Banshees, saw, like, Ice-T and Body Count. I saw Nine Inch Nails, like, Rollins Band, uh, Fishbone, I think, was there. Like, I can't remember, but you can look it up on Wikipedia. And I went both days, and it was, like, the second day, my seats were, like, right there. And um, it was just awesome. That sounds so epic. Yeah, it was great. I, it changed my life a little bit. I love Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I like Guns N' Roses too. I that. got a whole thing about Motley Crue. I've got a whole thing. I like really missed. I was born a little bit too late. Yeah. Um, to see. Did you just because you don't like Motley? I'm not. You know, I I'm one of those first three album guys. Oh, I remember. Yeah, totally. And I can get down with yeah. that. That's fair. Yeah. Like but, Shout at the Devil. Yeah. Love that album. So, but the rest of that stuff like kind of missed me a little bit. I Any, bought Shout at the Devil after. on CD to play in the car that we drove in today because nice. it's a CD player. And I, I went and got CDs. I was like, fuck yes, I, I can relive this era. I had that shit on like a double album that you would open up and it had like big picture Nikki Six, like Mick Mars, like Vince, Tommy Lee. They were all in Six. their get up. Yeah. Just like, woo, out of control. I don't really know why yeah. I honed in on Motley Crue per se. Like, it's not like they play the best music or anything like mm. that, but I think it's their vibe. Yeah. And like, I, I just like, for a long time, I was just like, I really regret the fact that I didn't get to be a groupie for Molly Crew. And people are always like, oh, you didn't want to be in the band? And I'm like, no, bro, I do drugs. I don't want to have to have the responsibility. I don't want to yeah. learn or play any instrument. I want to show up with I them. Just want to get on do the bus. all the- Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I'll throw some TVs out of the fucking windows and yeah. I'll go do whatever. Like, I'm yeah. down for that. And, okay. Um, all right. That's just... I feel you. Okay. Yeah. You can get down with that. I can. I mean, I, I appreciate uh, early crew. But now, fun times, I just saw them this past year with a bunch mm-hmm. of other bands, including Poison and Joan Jett <laughs> and Def Leppard. See, this is like the antithesis of what I was doing in the 80s. I, I was like, those bands are fucked. I get it. Like, I'm not Yeah, you're way cooler that. than me. We already just yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. I know. I can't, I'm sorry. It's 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 an age thing. You'd be just as cool as me if you were we're the same age. <laughs> <laughs> we're just cool in different ways, right? That's it's all. true. We're cool in different we're ways. Different different ways. So uh, the second show, the second best 
show I'm thinking is I saw Nirvana, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Pearl Jam at the Cow Palace on New Year's Eve. And that was awesome. That was really great. And I have the chili a lo- peppers back then. I bet you were just the fucking best. Oh, they were the best. Just bananas. Uh. The, all three of those shows were bananas. Like Pearl Jam opened. They were also bananas. Like Eddie Vedder's like crawling all over the place and swinging from the rafters. And Nirvana is like, like Kurt is not talking. They just came. The, they opened with "Smells Like Teen Spirit." They're like, "We don't like playing this song," and they just opened with it, and then they just kept going. He never stopped. They never stopped playing any songs, and then they smashed up all their gear at the end. And I was like, oh, "This is fucking punk rock." Wild. Let's go, right? And then Chili Peppers, like what I, uh, you know, they did that thing. They got the, the hard hats with the fire coming out the top, and uh-huh. they're naked. They got socks on their dick, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is fucking cool. These guys are cool. I love this," you know, and. Um, my third show, I was in Oakland. I saw uh, Slayer at the Kaiser Auditorium on the night that the Oakland Hills were on fire. Now we can come together on music interests. I was wearing my Slayer shirt today. Oh, you were probably jealous of it. I love Slayer. Because it was awesome. I was listening to Slayer driving, following you down the highway. Fuck yeah. I listen to Slayer every day. As you should. Yeah. Employees that's must so, carve Slayer into their arm before but, returning to work. You know, first three albums. That's, oh, yeah. that's my jam. I can't... I can't you know, it's 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 Dave Lombardo for me. Like the drumming, like Slayer's drumming is just the best. And it's all Dave. It's so good. And I love it. I also have listened to it so much that um, I don't need to think. Like mm. it is the work that I put on. It's the music that I put on my headphones when I'm working. Like if I have a hard problem at my job, I put on Slayer, put my headphones on. It doesn't distract me. I know exactly what note is coming next. And it's just my jam. And I saw them at the Kaiser, and it was an insane. You can look it up on YouTube. It was crazy. You know I'm not going to. You could if you wanted to. There's like a bootleg guy in the back with a big old fashion video camera filming it. And it was (laughs) nuts. There... The, the hills were on fire, so we, like, pull in, and, like, you see the hills over there to the left, just, like, flames. There's, like, big helicopters coming in and dropping buckets into Lake Merritt and flying back out to drop it on the fire, right? That's you so me? madness. And then we went in there, and um, when Sl- so Slayer comes out, they open with, like, raining blood, right? And I was so going to ask you if they, they did got or not. The, that, they got that, right? It starts all quiet, <laughs> right? They got a little quiet part, and then it... And there's all these sirens, like, uh, not not this, what are they called? You know, Rotors. the lights. Oh, yeah, the flashing lights. The lights. The like, strobe lights. The old lights that the cops would have. The yep. old red oh, yeah. lights that would rotate yes. on the top. So those are all over the stage, and they're all over the things. And then when the music starts, mm-hmm. like, the, I was up. Because I am not going to risk my life in the mosh pit in Slayer in whatever it was, like, 1990. Right, whenever that year was. It might have been 89. I don't recall exactly. So I'm up in the seats because I'm not down on the floor, right? But down on the floor, like I had never seen so many mosh pits start all at once. And like dudes were dropping, jumping off the second balcony onto the crowd. Guys had like ripped fire extinguishers off the walls and were shooting them into the crowd. And it was just madness. That makes, I'm getting anxious just hearing about Man, that. I, it was so good. I am a standing back at concerts type lady, and mm-hmm. I always have been. Mm-hmm. I never I, get up front. I like a good mosh pit. Nah. As long as it's, it's different now. 
people don't know how to mosh. Like, we used to mosh in a circle. There yeah. used to be rules. There, I know. There's you been know. all sorts of things, and yeah. the rules are out the door now. Yeah, there used to be rules. Savages. I, was, I like a good mosh bit, though. Would, you know, your testosterone is a hell of a drug, man. You take yeah. your shirt off and work your shit out. <laughs> that was the therapy for many years and many yeah. generations. Uh-huh. I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a weird, like, Anthony Kiedis anecdote as pertains to sobriety is that I read his memoir when I was still using, and uh, I would feel like maybe other people, sane people, people not maybe in the grips of their addiction, would read that book and be like, yeah, I think I need to get some help, or like, this sounds like, or whatever. And in my mind, I was, like he that book gave me permission mm-hmm. because I wasn't shooting intravenous drugs. And I was like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't actually have a problem. Yeah. This poor guy, though. I understand, Sounds rough. That. I understand that. Yeah. Or maybe it gave you some ideas. He's so interesting now. Have you heard have you heard any have you heard any interviews with him lately or whatever? Mm-mm. No. You're gonna be crabby with me. <laughs> but not. when I heard when I tell you whose podcast I heard him on recently okay. and I just thought it was interesting. I, okay, I'm not crabby. Yeah, you're gonna be crabby. Nice. Are you ready? It was Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh no. See? Instant fucking crabbiness. All right. Yeah. Okay. Once in a while, he has people on that I want to listen to. Puts out a good product, I guess. It's well produced. Jesus Christ. Well, when it's not... You're in the pipeline now, aren't you? I don't know what that means. The alt-right pipeline? You're in the pipeline? (laughs) Does that mean like I'm being... Yeah, that you're being groomed to be a fascist. (laughs) (laughs) If that was true, then I would immediately have known 88 because I would have been like dog whistle. Oh my God, I'm being called to arms right the fuck now. You you like Jordan Peterson too? I don't know who that is. Okay, good. Let's keep going then. Okay. You're, you're safe. Great. <laughs> yeah, this is so fun because like this, one of the reasons why I don't like to talk about politics is like I remember um, enjoying a time of life where you could say something like, oh, I like to listen to this person, even though their views aren't the same as mine. Sometimes they have interesting topics. And now it's either your one thing or another thing. People cancel you for having a singular opinion. And it's actually we're people. We're kind of diverse. Mm. I know. So that's why I don't talk about shit like that because... Um, you know, some, it just isn't very fun for me anymore just because people get really intense and it's okay. They get intense, but yeah, I understand. I have some tolerance. I like to get people really riled up by telling them I don't believe in recycling. And that's really, that's a fun thing to talk about. I could give a shit. Recycling is a scam. It is a scam. Okay. Nothing's getting recycled. I've been banging on about it for years and people used to want to just like set me on fire and I'm like, for real, they don't do it. They're not doing it. They're not. I know. And people get so intense about recycling, and I'm like, Jesus, it's... I mean, you kind of have to... It kind of feels like it's an obligation just to kind of do it, you know, in case they're recycling. (laughs) In case you find yourself at Heaven's Gate, and God's like, "Um, I saw that you willfully didn't recycle, even though there was a chance. (laughs) They're not recycling. There's no money in it, and everything is driven by money. You know, who knows what's actually happening to that stuff. My favorite thing... um, to do to see is the garbage cans with the different um, sections on the top and it's like this one's paper this one's compost and this is recycling oh, yeah. and when you lift up the lid they all went to the same one you, that is actually just an an that's an absolute like what's the thing i want not anecdote for how all of this is but like analogy. A, thank you yeah. an analogy for just life <laughs> yeah i need to take another break okay i'm old we're i feel like we should wrap up pretty soon I know, I gave you so much to drink. That's the problem.
But I think I will say one more last thing in my defense about this. While we're on the 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 topic that I don't dare touch about politics is that I started listening to Rogan's podcast for the first time because I wanted to hear Michael Schellenberger because I like to know my enemies. He was running for governor of California. Okay. And he has some pretty wild ideas about what you should do with addicts. Uh-huh. And I was fucking angry. Yeah. He basically wants to put them in work camps and shit yeah. and believes that running can cure addiction. Yeah. If you can get a runner's high, why would you do drugs? It's fucking in bonkers, yeah. nuts, nuts, insanity. And I was just like, I need to know what this guy's deal is yeah. so I can. <laughs> I, I mean, to, I listen to uh, right wing talk radio all the time for the same reason. I just want to hear what is being said because I know we're, we're not supposed to talk about politics. But like you said, um, people say things that are pretty extreme yeah like on the radio and if you don't listen to it then you don't know what they're saying and that is dangerous i think all right we can close with this here's what i will close with is that i kind of caught wind and i'm not always in the know about things but I caught wind that The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, might run for president. Yeah. And I'm so on board with this. If there's anything we need to unite our country more, it's The Rock. Yeah. He can bring all of us together. Who can say no? Do you think he's really... Isn't he Canadian, though? No, he's Hawaiian. Oh, so he's a natural-born citizen. He is. He can be the president. I would vote for The Rock. He seems reasonable. I would... He's really attractive. Not only would I vote for The Rock, I'd go out of my way to prom- like to help him win in some yeah. way, which I yeah. haven't gone out of my way for a political candidate in yeah. some time because they're lackluster. The I've loved him for forever. <laughs> I love him yeah. so fucking much. Right. But this... Apparently, they asked him and apparently, genuinely, he was asked in 2016 and declined, but according to my partner, when I brought this up, because I was surprised, because I often don't know about things, so I shouldn't be surprised, but... He said both parties have asked him to run. And I was like, oh, okay. let's just, yeah, run this guy. Yeah, Who cares go. who, which platform, let's get him up here. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. Okay. All I'm right. on board. I'm really excited about that, as you can probably hear. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay. I'm good. We're both tired. Yeah, I'm good. So I have um, a confession. A oh, you want a confession? I do. Do you have a secret? This is a surprise. Uh, okay, here's my favorite secret. Yes. It's really not that big of a deal. When I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in the fourth grade. Yes. Um, now all my secrets are floating back to me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when I was in the fourth grade... I wrote on the bathroom wall, uh, Miss Tracy is a bitch. <laughs> Signed, Roy Modar. Yeah. And because Roy was like the most popular boy in the class, and I was mad about it. And I remember Roy and his all his little cronies got a little notebook, and they were detectivizing the, in the classroom. They had like a list of suspects. <laughs> And they were going around interrogating people to figure out who it was. Mm -hmm. And I never told. And then when I was 18, um, the story got resolved because me and Roy got drunk. Yes. And I told them. Amazing. On a cruise. You know, in 1988, they would let 150 18-year-olds take a, a boat on a cruise ship to Mexico. 
and go and, and drive out into international waters so they could drink. I would do anything for that tell-all book. It was madness. I, I met a girl there that I fell in love with. Her name's Star. She lived in Los Angeles. Uh, it was crazy. That's, that's where I met the drummer from Jane's Addiction. Yeah. On that cruise? At Star's house. No, then later, oh. me and my buddy John drove down to her birthday party. And the drummer for Jane's Addiction yes. was there. Of but, course, but, her name is Star. Yeah. yeah. This makes total sense. Yeah, the drummer was there because she knew him. And he was drumming with her boyfriend's band. And I was sitting over in the corner eating spaghetti at this party in the valley. And, and I didn't know anybody. And he didn't know nobody. And he came over and he was like, hey, you guys look like you don't know anybody either. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to sit and eat with you. And I was awesome. like, okay. I didn't know who he was yet. I hadn't even heard of Jane's Addiction. But that's great. Yeah. That's a great story. That's, that's, that's my story. But that's I interrupted my you with Secret, and you came over and you said you had something about bonus. I had a bonus concert thing that we could talk about. Okay. So I never got to see Rage Against the Machine. And it is one of the things that eats at me. Uh, you know, they went on a Lollapalooza. But anyways, I had tickets twice. And uh, I had tickets to see them in the Beastie Boys at RFK in like 1999 or something. And Mike D broke his shoulder riding a bicycle in Central Park. These fucking rich guys. I know. Yeah. And so I didn't get to see that show. And then I had tickets to see them at the Moda Center in like April 2020. And I remember in March, like talking to my wife and saying, like, I think COVID's going to be a big fucking deal because I have tickets to see Rage Against the Machine. And everything comes falling and then, down. like three days later, all that shit happened. And I haven't got to see them since. Oh, and then the this, this show got postponed, right? So I had tickets in April 2020. Yeah. And then the show got postponed. Yes. Like, and recently, they were going to play at the Moda Center again. And uh, Zach, like, tore his ACL or something. And they canceled What it. the fuck? Yeah. Are you ever going to get to see no, them? I don't think so. I've given it up. The universe conspires against me on that one. I feel that way about a couple bands. I think that some of them I will get to see. Um, I specifically want to see, you'll probably poo-poo this, but Florence and the Machine at Red Rocks, okay. because I know she puts on a fantastic show there. Right. She's one of my favorites. And I have not seen Metallica yet. <gasps> I know. Oh, my God. I saw Metallica like four times. I know. And it's been and it's been one of those bands where I, kind of the same as your Rage Against the Machine, but I haven't even had tickets. Yeah. Just like I've been surprised that there was a show. Like caught off guard, not in time. Definitely because they're all sold out. Yeah. Like you're not. And also they play secret shows in San Francisco. I and I just, I'm really, that's what I really want to have happen. I don't want to see them at big venues. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like sometimes... You, you know, when you, get, when, when you get older, you just kind of miss sometimes the way that things were. And one of the things that I don't really like is seeing shows in stadiums. Um, it's not my favorite. I like, I, I have nostalgia for the times when it was smaller and um, tickets were fucking $30. Yeah. And not, I like have a real big problem with paying over three digits for tickets. It's a new era with the, with the prices. I mean, there's something to be said to seeing the, the older bands like Metallica in, in a stadium just to go see them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm gonna have to. I'm not gonna. It's not gonna happen if I don't do that. Yeah, I saw the Smashing Pumpkins in a really small club in Sacramento one time. You bastard! Yeah, I saw I saw Metallica a day in the green in like 1988. This is what I'm I talking about. Died. I was born just a little bit too late, like yeah. to have these experiences of yours that I want. Mm -hmm. But luckily, you tell me the stories, and mm -hmm. I can try to. Live I did it. On the other hand, dude, it was like thousands of of shirtless men all chanting like "Die, die, die." It's not. 
that great. That's some real fascist shit. Yeah, right? They're playing <laughs> Creeping Death, you know, and they get all everybody. And it is. It's a male-dominated audience, you know, and it was really good, though. I enjoyed it, you know, but it's also kind of weird. I Also, to- you know, Lars is a dick, so... <laughs> I so like there's another podcast that I like well it's funny because like everyone has always been like Lars is a dick and I'm like yeah Lars is a dick I had but no like, idea till recently but anyhow oh you just now found out that he's a dick yeah I mean TikTok you know, what? social media is bad they they drag him all the time they do yeah for being like a shitty drummer and being kind of a dick he, yeah I don't do TikTok either so look at me not knowing shit I love it YouTube or TikTok no I don't use YouTube didn't you say you watch YouTube? No. Why am I making that up? Mm-mm. Okay. Then. No. TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. You got to keep up with the kids. That's where you learn the Lego. No, the kids have always frightened me. Yeah. Well. They scares me. You got to learn how to talk to them. And you do that by watching TikTok. That's how you learn about the Phantom The tax. Riz. Yeah, and the Riz. <laughs> and Phantom Tax. Wait, what's Phantom Tax? No, it's Phantom. Oh, Phantom Tax. Yes. It's when you steal food from your friend. You got to pay the Phantom Tax. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. This, that's why I named this podcast No Cap, because I thought it was hilarious that I was naming it yeah. and immediately ruining it for the children. It is. Though. Yeah. Now some old person did it. Fuck you guys. It's really, it's really, you're using the jargon. Yeah. No cap. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hip. That's fair. That's an Austin Powers joke for any of you old heads listening to this. That's fair. The last and final question. If we got a matching tattoo together, what would it be? Uh, you know, I got to go with the sheep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, it would be a lamb chop, like an actual lamb chop. An actual lamb chop. Like the, the medallion that you were talking like a about. Little, a little lollipop. Yeah, from lollipop. From a rack of lamb. Yes. Like a little medium rare lamb chop. It seems only correct. How would they render that, though? I don't know if that would tattoo that great. Yeah, just black and white, like little dots and lines, like, you know, just... Okay. All right. It can be done. Okay. I'm thinking a real sheep. Okay. Yeah. I actually have a two-headed lamb on this arm, but I can't show you because my sweatshirt won't go up that high. Two-headed? Yeah. What's that about? Uh, the duality of good and evil? Duality of self. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that's that a lot of that imagery around, and now people are like, "What does that tattoo mean?" I'm like, after you get a certain amount of tattoos, your tattoos don't have to mean anything. Like I'm kind of done with like that. Like and I don't get tattoos now where it has to have deep symbiology for me personally. Yeah, I get that. I just got a giant centipede on my leg because I wanted a big ass creepy crawly. I mean, there's two schools of thought, right? There, there's people who just like art. Yeah. They just want artists and put their art on them. And then there's people that are like, I don't get a tattoo unless I have a good reason. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's an intersection, you know, but I know a lot of people that are covered in tattoos and a lot of them just look cool. I just... I get it. Believe I feel better the more my body gets covered, the more I feel like my true self. So we're still going towards true self. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I am a person completely covered. Yeah. And, you know, I'm... Not quite three quarters of the way there. Also, you have visible tattoos. That's something. Yeah. To me, people in my generation. Yeah, that's a thing. All my tattoos, you know, are not like I could wear a long sleeve shirt and keep them. I kind of like that too. I like the the surprise tattoos, though. That's cool. I don't know. I kind of think now that I have some fuck you money, I might get a tattoo on my face. Interesting. Get a little 
sweetheart tattooed underneath my eye. You're so full of shit. No, I would never get a tattoo on my face. I I am a big fan of the neck tattoo, though. Those are so hot. And I think... Like, okay, but the question is, because I like them too, but I would do a side. Are you thinking full throat? Yeah, I like this one. It looks better on men. It looks good on men, I think. Yeah. The full throat. You have a little bit more space to work with there. And what are you going to get? What would you think? I have no idea. I haven't given any thought. My next tattoo, I'm getting... uh, There's a tattoo artist. Her name's Not Sick in Portland. And her style... She also makes street art. So if you look her up, she's awesome Mm -hmm. and like a legitimate artist. Uh, It's going to be a sheep in wolf's clothing on my arm. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Well, people love Maybe you should just get the Silence of the Lambs moth and just be creepy like that. (sighs) Right in the middle of your neck. I mean, people do that. I know. People do that. Or a big skull... You know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. We'll see. I'm also probably not going to. Really? Uh, you know, maybe. We'll see. I like this First things you. first. Okay, first things first, which is the arm tattoo. Yeah. yeah we'll and then see. our matching tattoo. Yeah, and then like maybe a compass rose on the back of my hand. Is that the thought? <laughs> I don't know. You're just making shit up. Yeah. On that note, we're slap happy and we have a big day <clears throat> planned for SF tomorrow. Ooh, so we're going to eat burritos. We're going to eat burritos. Fuck yeah. Um, at Takaria Cancun, which is my personal fave, and y'all can fight me later if you want to. And we're gonna do Luna Rien, Moth Belly, Fleetwood. We're having a jam packed day full mm. of all stars and yeah. foods. Yeah, should be fun. Thanks for flying in to do this with me. Lord, thanks for having me. Thanks it's for being my internet flying. friend. I mean, it's kind of weird. It is, but now it isn't though. Yeah. Well, it now never we're really was. Real we're friends in real life, but it felt like we were always gonna get along. Like. We we did the internet friend thing pretty good. You know, there's people that that happens to. People, you know, you know how it is. Some people get along, like you and I get along. Yeah. Right. And and uh, I'm I'm. You know, I like chatting people. I like I like texting. That's my my thing. So. Will you kill it? I um. Yeah, I also don't like gatekeeping. So if anybody has any questions about how to make stencils, um all about teaching them so personally i kind of did you have you made a video about it or two and i I just don't know no no but um i feel like the people would love it you know the thing is it's not my method i just adapted it right and so we you know we can point them towards that and then if they have any questions about the method that i use you don't want to coin the lambtown method it's a little different yeah you you fucking yeah i don't know genius shit dude you People take- in Portland are going to listen to this, and I'm going to be canceled. I'm going to be done. They're going to be like, that guy uses a machine. He doesn't even fucking cut them in real life. So what? That you know? That's the kind of stupid shit that's annoying to me. Yeah. Like, you know what? I know. I, I, I just do it anyways. I don't also, care. Also, you know I'm what? P- Portland people, you're not allowed to listen to this podcast. I forbid you. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. I love Portland, though. We didn't I, even I really get to like talk about my there. favorite strip club. What, sassies? No. Uh, Which one do you think it is? No. Mary's. Okay, I didn't get to go to Mary's yet, but I hear great things about Mary's. Okay. No, it's the vegan Union one. Jacks. Oh, Casa Diablo. You know it. Yeah. That I had such a wonderful strip club experience there. After only being kicked out of strip clubs my entire life previously, uh-huh. then I went there sober for a bachelor party. Wild. I was the only woman there, of course. Bananas. It was bananas. And I had such an amazing time. Mm-hmm. I talk about it to this day. Mm-hmm. How awesome those women were and how that entire experience was way different. They got my shirt off in the first five minutes. Hell yeah. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. 
It was really awesome and confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Portland has a lot of strip clubs. The yeah. culture there is big time. It's just that, different, though. I have never been to a, I don't know, just the other places I've been yeah. to were a lot more stodgy than that. This yeah, was way no, more fun man. and like laid back. Yeah. and It's pretty chill. Yeah. That building is frightening. Well, if you drive up to it at night, it is. It, it's so scary to go walk and, up this really scary pathway. <laughs> yeah, and it, it does. It looks like it looks like uh, like a murder building mm-hmm. or like some <laughs> like creepy like you know that movie Porky's. It's kind of like that. It's yep. like secret in the woods, kind of run down and kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we talked about it at the end because I yeah. like a lot of places in Portland, and that one has a dear place in my heart. Yeah. Okay. Super. Good night. All right, I'm done. <laughs> It's 2200. Time to cancel. Time to close the, close the doors. Right. All right.